Well, good morning, and welcome to Unfolding the Word, as together we work our way through God's Word verse by verse. We're in the midst of an extended study of 1 John. If you've been with me for a while, you know we're now in the third chapter, and we began to look at, two days ago, the third chapter, verses 7 through 10, and I want to continue our examination of that. I'm going to pick up that reading in the scriptures at that very point. Verse 7 of chapter 3 of 1 John. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. We've been looking in these verses, and these verses essentially are talking to us about the fact that being born anew, when we repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, being born anew changes us truly that the most fundamental part of who we are. Those who have come to know Christ as Savior because of the new creature that they've become now desire at the deepest level of their heart to please God, to let him be their Lord, to follow Jesus, and to grow to look like the Lord Jesus. Now certainly in that orientation, that change that occurs, it is not perfection that also occurs. So we stumble at times in that process. That's why earlier in 1 John, we learned about the fact that uh, as we stumble, as we sin, we can confess it if we know Christ is Savior, and we can find forgiveness because he continues to be our advocate with the Father. He is the propitiation for our sin. In other words, we are not going to be perfect because of the change that I'm talking about. But nonetheless, there's been a fundamental change that occurs those who have truly come to know Christ, who have been saved and therefore have been born anew, have fundamentally changed at the deepest level of their life so that they want to grow. That is now their orientation. They'll do it imperfectly, but it's the orientation, the practice of life nonetheless. And the warning that verse 7 gives us to start off with is, listen, don't let anybody deceive you about this. <laughs> Because the enemy of our soul, Satan, is constantly working to deceive people, to deceive those who don't know Christ so that they don't seek Christ, and then to work on those who come to know Christ as Savior by deceiving them about the importance of growing, or deceiving them about the consequences of stumbling, or working and deceiving them to think that it doesn't matter how they live. In all kinds of ways, the enemy of our souls is seeking to deceive us about truth and particularly the importance of growing as a believer. The devil is the source of deception. He is at work and has been over time to bring about an orientation towards sin, a practice of sinning is the way it puts it here. Now we talked earlier about that is sin is lawlessness. And so the practice, the habit pattern being talked about here, is a habit pattern of people beginning to think that they can determine for themselves what's right. They can live according to what they think ought to be done instead of 
looking to the Lord as the guidance for all of that and living to please the Lord. As Proverbs 14 puts it, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Satan fosters the way that seems right to a man. He's not always trying to foster moral evil, ethical failure. He's interested in fostering rebellion, self-sufficiency in people. And a practice of sinfulness is a practice of lawlessness, of thinking we are free of having to follow the laws of God, to please God, and that we can, in a sense, be the master morally and ethically of our life. Well, the word pattern comes from a Greek word having to do with the construction of a road, a construction of a path. It, it describes the things we're doing that sort of set in motion a certain direction in life. Now, we find an interesting thing. That's all by way of review for us, and I hope it has been a helpful review for you. But we find in these verses this statement, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Christ came to undercut and destroy the works of the devil. Now, what is the work of the devil? Deception. The work of the devil is deception, number one, to lead people into sin, two, as a result, have separated people from God, thirdly, keep them separated from God, or if they turn and find Christ as Savior, to work to deceive them so much about it that they don't grow in the way God intends them to. All of those are the works of the devil, and they lead to separation from God. And God tells us here that Jesus came into the world to destroy, to break up those works. Ever since Genesis 3, and with Adam and Eve in the garden, Satan has been working to alienate humanity from God, lead them into sin so they are hopelessly separated before a just and holy God. To do that, he will employ every deceptive influence he can muster. I was thinking at the very end of the Bible, in the book of, Gen of Revelation, in chapter 20, God says this to us about the enemy, and this is taking place at the very end uh, after the great white throne judgment. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. It was at this period of time, as Christ returns yet uh, and defeats the enemy's deceptions on the earth, that Satan is ultimately punished and thrown into the lake of fire. And notice the reason? He is the one who deceived them, meaning humanity. He is judged ultimately because of the very deception that's being discussed here. So the question for us is, how did Jesus destroy the works of the devil? And there's two answers to that, that he goes on and explains to us in these verses. The first answer is that he destroyed it through his death and resurrection. And the second answer is he destroyed it through the fundamental change he makes in people who have turned to Christ in repentance and faith. He makes them new creations, gives them new birth. Well, two distinct answers. We'll focus today on answer number one. Lord willing, tomorrow we'll focus in on answer number two. Answer number one, the works of the devil were undercut and destroyed by the cross and the resurrection because the cross created the unforeseen solution to sinful mankind's impossible dilemma 
of being sinners and therefore separated from God, unable to do anything to pay directly for their wrong. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 18 puts it this way. Listen to these words. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, meaning Jesus Christ, likewise partook of the same thing, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. He goes on later in verse 17, so that he might become the righteous and merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. How did he destroy the works of the enemy? Through the cross. Offering his own life is the propitiation for sin, the very thing that 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 reminded us about that the one who is our advocate, our defender before the Father, is the one who argues on our behalf based on the life, the propitiation for sin that he made. <laughs> the work of the devil, his great intention to lead us to hell and to keep us permanently separated from God, is overcome by the cross. It is destroyed by that. Colossians chapter 2 picks up on the same theme. Let me read these words to you. And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of the debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, and he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Do you see it? The cross in the resurrection, which confirmed that what was accomplished on the cross was truly sufficient to pay for sin. Only the cross and the resurrection provide a solution to sin's accountability. It is the solution to sin's accountability that destroys Satan's great intention. He hates us and wants to lead us into eternal separation from God. Satan is overcome by the work of the Lord. But it is an overcoming, it is a solution only available to those who will repent and believe. It isn't given in general to humanity apart from humanity's determination to repent and believe, receiving Christ as personal Savior. It is the solution that must be accepted. It is not given to those that don't accept it. But to accept it means we have to accept what God says is our problem, which is that we are sinners and hopelessly separated from God. And that requires humility and a turning from our pride. I hope that's been true of you and that you've turned to Christ. Well, join me tomorrow as we look at the second answer as to how Christ went about destroying the work of the devil. He destroyed it through his death on the cross and resurrection. And he also destroyed it through making us new creations. Join me as we look at that. God bless.